What's good? What's good? It's Kerry Wood at C Wood on Sports on Twitter and IG. That's where you can find me. And this is Ball About the South. It is a sports show that brings you sports talk with Southern flavor. And I'm glad that you could uh, took a few minutes out of your busy schedule to join me here tonight. It is Thursday night right now. Actually, uh, the football game is just kicked off a little while ago. Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, as I'm recording this, I have it on mute and everything. So I'm kind of watching the game as I go uh, here as I start the show and everything. And Dallas uh, kind of doing doing okay right now. I still think Tampa Bay will probably end up winning this game. I have uh, Dallas covering the nine points. Uh, Tampa Bay a nine-point favorite in this game. I think Dallas will find a way to cover that. I, I thought nine points was, ew, that was a lot of points in my opinion. I think Dallas's offense is going to be pretty good. Dak Prescott wasn't really sure how he would look. So far, it looks pretty good. I thought maybe he'd be a little bit rusty, but so far, man, uh, Dak is throwing some dimes, and so Dallas is trying to hang in there with the defending Super Bowl champs. Um, this In this uh, episode, we're going to look at both the NFC South and AFC South. We're going to do previews on that. Obviously, a little bit late on that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it is what it is. We're going we're gonna to basically be one game late. We'll be just in time for every uh, all the other games of the weekend. And, of course, for Monday night when the uh, Baltimore Ravens and Las Vegas Raiders finish the, uh, finish the first week. So we'll have all of everything will be in at that point. So, you know, a little bit late, but it's all good, I think. So we're going to get into uh, previewing both the a- NFC and AFC South. And then after that, I'm going to kind of just, you know, go over to each division. Now, even though, again, we focus here on the teams and players in the South, we're going to do just a a quick overview of each division. I'll give you my prediction of who wins the division, and I'll give you my prediction on on the wildcard teams after that, who I think will be the wildcard teams and all the teams that will represent the NFL in the playoffs. I think it's going to be. Uh, interesting show to look at that. And then after we talk NFL, we'll get into a little bit of college football that's coming up this weekend. We'll look at some of the uh, matchups here in the SEC. We'll look at a couple of HBCU matchups maybe as we get ready for week. Basically, it's week two of the college football season. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to. So let's, without further ado, let's get this thing started. NFL preview. We'll start with the NFC South. I think the NFC South is an interesting division once you get past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay? Uh, I, I think Tampa Bay, obviously, is the team to beat in this division. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But behind that, behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how is this thing going to line up? Saints, you got, you know, a lot going on with them this offseason. Michael Thomas is not in the fold right now. We're not sure how that's going to play out. Um, obviously, Drew Brees retired. James Winston now is the, head, is the quarterback. He finally won that quarterback battle against Taysom Hill. I think the Saints are in a good position to not miss as much a beat as you might think after losing a quarterback like Drew Brees. Uh, I like what I've seen out of Jameis Winston. He's slim and trim. Uh, 
I think we could get back to calling famous Jameis for the correct reasons and not just being a joke, <laughs> you know. So uh, I like what the Saints are doing. I don't think it's going to be enough for them to catch the Bucks. You look at Tampa Bay. Obviously, they have everything you can want on both sides of the football. You look at all the weapons Tom Brady has to throw to. You think about uh, Gronk. I mean, Gronk would be like the afterthought, okay? And then you look at A.B., Antonio Brown. This dude right now, if if you're looking at the NFL rankings, like, uh, you know, some of the, like if you play fantasy or you look at a lot of the you know, publications that uh, rank the players and all of that good stuff, you're looking at this dude being wide receiver three. Antonio Brown now, okay? Antonio Brown being wide receiver three is ridiculous. And I think that when you, because, I mean, you have to say that that's probably the case. I mean, you could argue it easily, but I could argue that Antonio Brown is better than Mike Evans. I could argue that Antonio Brown is better than uh, Chris Godwin, right? But the fact of the matter is, uh, obviously, he's older than both of those guys. Uh, he's not, you know, obviously, he's, you think he's in decline of where he was, but this dude is still, <laughs> he's still the dude, man. So this dude is the wide receiver three. So that tells you all you need to know about the weapons Tom Brady has to throw to. So, that, you know, again, it's going to be tough to stop this football team. However, you know, you just have to wonder about that, you know, the, the mindset of a football team coming back off of winning the Super Bowl. I don't think you worry about Tom Brady at all. Tom Brady's going to have the same mindset regardless. I don't think there's any question about that. But you think about the rest of the team, um, I don't know, man. I, again, I, I, I think a lot of people have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, going back to the Super Bowl. I, I, I can't say that that's not a good argument to make for that. But as far as being, you know, uh, a lot of people have them winning 15, 16 games. There are people thinking maybe could this team go undefeated? Okay, obviously they're good enough to do it. I mean, they're better than everyone else in the NFL except for maybe the Chiefs. I don't think there's any question. But obviously this is the NFL, okay? And I just think that they're still – the mindset changes a little bit after you win a Super Bowl. I can't see them winning – I don't think they'll win 15 games. I think they'll get to – the way I'm going to do this is I'm not going to give an exact number of games I think that they're going to win. I'm going to kind of give a little bit of a window. I'm going to give you the floor, what their floor is, okay? And then I'll give you what I think their ceiling is. Now, for me, Tampa Bay's floor would be 12 wins. I could go 11, but I'll go 12. And for their ceiling – I'll go 15. I'll go 15 as their ceiling. I think that there's going to be a way that they'll lose two games at least. And I think that they could lose as many as five. I mean, this team lost five games last year. Now, obviously, they had a, uh, they had a time where they were trying to get acclimated with each other. Tom Brady coming over, uh, all the other pieces that they had, trying to, you know, kind of get in sync with each other and all of that. So, obviously, you give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt on that. But this is a team that went 11-5 and five and wound up being a wild card team as the fifth seed in the playoffs last season. 
So it's not out of the realm of possibility this team could lose four or five games. I think probably somewhere in between that 12 and 15 window that I put out there, 13 or 14 is where this team is going to land. Obviously, I think that's going to be probably enough to land them the number one spot in the playoffs. They'll have home field. We'll see how it works, though. Uh, the Saints, I think, obviously, are the second-best team in this division, in my opinion. Like I said, I think you look at Jameis Winston, you look at, uh, even though Michael Summers is not in the fold, I do like what we've seen from Marquez Callaway. I think he can be a guy that can uh, make that, you know, losing Michael Summers could kind of ease the blow a little bit. Um I don't, you know, they don't have a whole lot of other weapons on the outside other than him, but they do have Alvin Kamara. They do have a good defense led by Cam Jordan and all those guys. I think the Saints, man, I'm going to have to put the Saints in second as far as a window for them. Their ceiling, their floor, and their ceiling, I would have to say their floor just because, again, while while I'm – I've heard all of the right things from Jameis Winston. I've seen all of the right things from Jameis Winston. We've seen it. We've heard it. I still think this team has a window below double-digit wins, okay? Uh, Well, a a floor below double-digit wins. So I'm going to put their floor at nine wins. I think they'll be over 500. I think they'll be at least nine and eight. But I'll put their ceiling. I'm going to put their ceiling at 12. I think that's pretty good. I you know I could go thirteen I, I I you know I I could go thirteen I really could but I'm gonna go twelve I think this team has a ceiling of twelve wins I think twelve and five would be great for this football team I think maybe uh, eleven and six is probably where they're gonna stand eleven and six probably gets them a wild card spot ten and seven could get them a wild card spot. Uh, I'll let you know who, uh, like I said, in, in, once I get to my uh, the other divisions, kind of give my divisional winners and wild card participants uh, later in the show. That way, you'll know if I think the Saints are going to make the playoffs. I think they end up in that ten to ten and seven, eleven and six range. I think that's the more likely spot for this football team, and that very well could be enough to get them in the playoffs. We shall see. Um, as far as rounding out this division, the Falcons and the Panthers, this is one. These are two teams I've gone back and forth on. I like the fact that the Falcons uh, picked up Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be a difference maker day one. This dude is ridiculous. Okay, being uh, playing tight end is going to be crazy uh, for Arthur Smith to have this guy in the fold. Arthur Smith is is – I thought he did a really great job at Tennessee. There, there, there's an opinion of a few people. One of those people is the real deal. <laughs> Damian Adams, had his uh, show is called The Real Deal with Damian Adams. If you have not listened to his podcast, you need to do so. I'm going to give him a shout out here on the show. Uh, I think he's a really cool dude from what I can tell. Never met him before, but, <laughs> but he seems like a cool dude from what I can tell on social media and everything. He is a huge Saints fan. So, obviously, you know where his allegiance lies. I mean, this dude is a huge Saints fan. But his uh, uh, idea or his his uh, thinking on Arthur Smith is that, well, look, you had Derrick Henry. 
you should be able to uh, find ways for your offense to click if you've got the best running back, the biggest and fastest running back, or at least the fastest running back at his size in the NFL, okay? You ought to be able to make your offense click. So he's not as impressed by Arthur Smith as I am. But I am. I'm a Titans fan. I'll, I'll put that full disclosure out there. I'm a Titans fan, so maybe I'm a little bit biased on that, but I think Arthur Smith did a really good job with Ryan Tannehill and uh, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown and all those dudes on that football team, man. And John o. Smith, bringing up Kyle Pitts, you have to bring up John o. Smith, who played for the Titans last season. He's not there in Tennessee right now. But this dude really had a good season, I think, the last couple of years. I think he was really looked over as one of the better receiving tight ends in the league. So that gives you an idea, to me, of what this guy, Kyle Pitts, is going to be able to do in a Falcons uniform. And then you, you team him up with Calvin Ridley. Falcons are going to rock and roll offensively. Uh, you know, you look at you look at Carolina. I like what I see out of Carolina as well. The, the question, obviously, when you look at the Panthers, is going to be uh, Sam Darnold coming over from the Jets. Can uh, Is he going to be able to, to mature into the guy that a number one draft pick like he is should be. I'm not really sure that he's going to. I like I I like to think that he will. Okay, I, I you know I'm not going to say he's going to be a bust. I think he's going to be better than that, but I don't think he's going to really reach the full potential that a lot of people thought that he could. That's kind of where I lie with that. However, the thing I do like about the Panthers is he has some guys to throw the football to. This is something. For a long time, we could not have said about Cam Newton while he was in Carolina. You look at on the outside, you look at DJ Moore. I think he's one of the overlooked receivers in this league. I think he is a guy that's obviously a deep threat. He can he can get uh, you know has good speed and all of that. Runs good routes. I think DJ Moore is really a good football player. You look at on the other side, Robbie Anderson is another guy. To me, this overlooked as a wide receiver. I, I think both of these guys can stretch the field. I think both of these guys can uh, have good hands. They possess the ball uh, very well and all of that. And then you look at Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Sam Darnold is going to have a lot more help on this football team than he ever had in New York. So maybe that brings him along more than we think. It's going to be interesting to see. But for this season, though, uh, I'm going to have to give the edge to the Falcons to finish third in this division just slightly. I'm, I'm, I'm by the slightest of margins because you have to sit there and look at the Falcons' defense, which was near the bottom last season in the, in the NFL. I mean, uh, the Falcons gave up a lot of points, a lot of yards. Uh, I think, obviously, Carolina has a better defense than the Falcons, in my opinion. So it kind of evens that thing out a little, just a little bit. Yeah, it, it evens it out just a little. But we're going to go, I'm going to go with the Falcons finishing third just because I like the fact of Matt Ryan being a veteran. Uh, this is a guy that's been around a long time. A lot of people have their opinions of Matt Ryan. Matty Ice, as we love to call him, this dude. It, uh, give him credit. This dude has had some big-time comebacks. Or, or at least uh, big time uh, wins on this on the last drive of the game and things of that nature. 
I'm going to have to give them the slight edge, like I say. I'll give the slight edge to the Falcons. Looking at a window for the Falcons, their floor, I would have to say, I guess their floor would have to be five wins, I would think. I think they, they find a way to at least get to five, five and 12. I think a ceiling for the Falcons, I think a ceiling would probably be eight wins. I you know, thought about nine, but I'm going to go eight. Eight wins for being the Falcons' ceiling. I think that that would be a pretty good season, actually. If they could get to eight and nine, even though, no, that would not be enough for the playoffs, it would be a step, a huge step in the right direction. I don't think there's any question about that as they try to improve this football team, uh, mainly on the defensive side of the football. Offense, I think uh, I think they're going to be okay. I, I don't know if the quarterback of the future. I don't know how that's going to play out because obviously Matt Ryan is, you know, you would think in the last couple of years of his career, uh, obviously they're going to have to find that quarterback going forward. But uh, you have to like Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts. And uh, Russell Gage was another receiver that I hadn't have not spoken about. This is a guy that has a lot of ability that showed uh, has some pretty good stats from last season. Uh, they lost Julio Jones. We know about that. Julio is now in Tennessee. But I think this team has enough offensively to rock and roll. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have the Falcons finishing, between, finishing third uh, and having between five and eight wins. And I'm going to look at the Panthers. I'm going to say their floor is five wins. Okay, I just don't think they have quite the ceiling that the Falcons have. So I'm going to say that the ceiling for the uh, Panthers is seven wins. And again, it's just from the simple fact you're talking about Sam Donald. It's just the unknown about him coming over from New York. Uh, he has not looked the part of a number one pick, a number one overall pick. He just you know, he really hasn't. But again, I think part of that is due to where he was playing. Uh, every one of the players around him in New York, uh, he's going to have a big time upgrade, even though the Panthers are not a playoff team. He's going to like what he sees with the Panthers. I think, again, we talked about Robbie Anderson. We talked about DJ Moore. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is one of the top running backs in this league if he can stay healthy. Uh, you have to like them offensively. Defensively, they're not horrible. Uh, they're a little bit better than the Falcons, in my opinion. So we'll see how that goes. I could, I mean, again, like I say, I went back and forth between the Falcons and the Panthers being third or fourth in this division. And um, I just, I just kind of gave the edge to Matt Ryan and his experience, basically. And that's kind of what it came down to, pretty much. So. Anyway, that is my NFC South preview. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the division. I have the Saints finishing second. I have the Atlanta Falcons finishing third. And the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, rounding out the division, the division in fourth place. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to AFC South. And we're going to talk about the Titans, the Colts, the Jags, the Texans. Uh, and we'll come back with that in just a minute when Ball About the South continues.
All right, y'all, we're back, and we're going to get into the AFC South next. We finished previewing the NFC South. Now let's get into the AFC South, and the AFC South is not as cut and dry picking the winner as the NFC side was. Uh, not in my opinion, anyway. Now, I think if you sit there and you kind of ask some of the experts around the NFL, some of the you know guys that I like to call the, the ones on Twitter with check marks next to their name, <laughs> uh, most of them are going with the Colts to win this division. I mean, again, I, I, obviously, that's uh, you can see that very easily. Don't get me wrong; the Colts are a really good football team. We'll see. Uh, we'll talk about them here in just a second. I'm not sure that uh, I can, you know, go with them as far as just being head and shoulders above everyone else in that division. The Titans have to be mentioned as one as a threat to win the division. They won it last season. Uh, the Titans two seasons ago uh, went to the AFC Championship game. Uh, they obviously they're not quite the same team as they were then. Uh, you know, there's a number of differences that we're going to get into, but. Uh, I think those teams obviously are, are ahead of the other two teams in the division, Jacksonville and, of course, uh, the Houston Texans. Who knows what's going to happen with the Texans there with uh, the situation with Deshaun Watson. Uh, he is still on the roster. Obviously, he's not starting. He's not playing or anything. Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starter for the foreseeable future, so we'll have to see how that works out. Yeah, you know, I'm just not really sure what's going to go on there. but. I think getting into this division, man, obviously uh, the Titans are a team that, that, you know, again, full disclosure, the Titans are my favorite team right now. <laughs> I've been, been that way for a long time since really even back to the days when they were in Houston. I was really a fan, but I really became a big fan once they moved to Tennessee, been to several games up there. So, yeah, I, mean, I can, you know, that was just kind of a natural thing for me. but. I think when you look at the Titans right now, adding Julio Jones, I think that is a huge get for them. Uh, when they lost Corey Davis, I wondered what was going to be, you know, who would they get to replace Corey Davis? Corey, I, I think, it was one of the underrated receivers in this league last year. You look back at the stats that he put up, thought he was really good. I think he's going to be really good for Zach Wilson there and the Jets. I think I, I look for big things for Corey Davis there. Um, the New York Jets this season. So, obviously, getting Julio Jones, even though Corey Davis is really good, uh, that was an upgrade. This, even though, again, we have to sit there and you wonder about how much Julio Jones has left in the tank. You wonder about the injuries that he's gone through the last couple of seasons in Atlanta. Still, I mean, this dude, I mean, obviously he has a lot of skill. I think he has a lot left in the tank. He wanted to go to a team where he could uh, be at least with a contender. I think the Titans fit that bill. And uh, you sit there and you think about uh, Derrick Henry. You think about A.J. Brown, the other receiver on the other side. I think even uh, there's a guy, Josh Reynolds, that they added who's going to be there. You know, kind of got that third guy, the slot guy that's going to be on the team. They did lose John Smith. I thought that was going to be a huge blow, and actually it's still, you know, you know, in a certain sense it is. Uh, John Smith was the guy that uh, really stretched the field at the tight end position. Uh, really athletic. 
But now he's not, he's out of the fold. But I think Anthony Ferkser is a pretty good receiver. He does not have the athleticism. He does not have the speed that John Smith possessed. But I think he's good enough to uh, have the Titans be good enough at the tight end position. So you look at that offense, you think about Derrick Henry being able to run the way he is. I mean, obviously he's getting older, so you have to start wondering. You know the running backs um, – decline pretty quickly in the NFL. We all know that. But I think he's going to be fine. I think adding a guy like Julio Jones will help Derrick Henry. And I think, you know, Julio Jones being with guys like A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry will help Julio Jones. Okay? So I, I, I just, you know, you sit there and think about this football team. Obviously, defensively, is still a question mark. They did add Bud Dupree from Pittsburgh, who can uh, help the rush defense, you know, rushing the passer and everything. That's going to be a huge, you know, question mark still. The secondary is still a question mark, as it was last year. They gave up a lot of yards through the air. But uh, I think that when you think about this offense, they should be a chain-moving machine. When you sit there and you think about two physical receivers like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the outside, Berkshire, again, I think is a pretty good tight end uh, running the scene. And then you think about Derrick Henry. This team should be able to move the chains. They could play a ball control type style that it's going to be hard for teams to get them off the field if they're clicking. And then at the same time, A.J. Brown still possesses that that burst, Julio Jones still possesses the same burst that they can get open deep and have, and, and, uh, have big plays as well. They, I mean, they can score quickly. Ryan Tannehill has come along as a quarterback. I still think he's underrated to a certain degree. Uh, he's not the best, but he's, I think he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for being. So I've got the Titans uh, doing a lot better than some people do. Obviously, it's going to be a lot for them to take down the Colts. And you think about the Colts now with Carson Wentz as their quarterback. And this guy we we thought was going to be injured for a few weeks into the season. Well, that is gone. He is going to start this coming Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks when the Colts uh, host them in Indianapolis this Sunday. So he is going to be the starting quarterback, which is amazing. This dude uh, has come back and uh, had a really good clip, man, and um. Again, he is the key to that whole thing in Indianapolis because he has some weapons as well. You sit there and you think about Pittman on the outside, Michael Pittman from USC. You think about T.Y. Hilton, even though T.Y. Hilton's uh, stats have declined over the last couple of seasons. He's had some injury issues. Still, he's T.Y. Hilton. Okay? I, I still think this is, the, this is a guy that can – that has some ability to hurt you. Yes. <laughs> okay, he can I mean defenses have to defend this dude. So T. Y. Hilton is still in the fold. Uh you know, Paris Campbell is another guy that's uh, endured a lot of injuries. We have to see how that goes, but Paris Campbell is another guy that has some ability to um stretch the defense and things of that nature. And then you look at them look at the running back room. You look at uh Jonathan Taylor who came on last year as a rookie Jonathan Taylor is is one of the top running backs in the league, and then they'll get Marlon Mack back, who uh, who kind of started the season as a starter last year. I know, I mean, because I I had Marlon Mack on two of my fantasy teams. Well, 
I had him on one of the fantasy teams uh, last year, and then I had him on the uh, on fantasy team the season before that. The season before that, Marlon Mack helped me uh, big time because I, you know, I had gotten down a couple of running backs. Had uh, I can't remember who I had, but I had a couple of injuries at running back, and Marlon Mack helped me big time that season. Then, of course, last season he uh, was was injured. Uh, and so, obviously, you know, again, he's he's coming back from injury, so you have to wonder uh, just how good he's going to be, how much he has left in the tank. But Marlon Mack has some ability if he can uh, get over the injuries that he endured. So that's going to be a good, you know, there should be a good running back room for the Colts as well. They should be able to rock and roll offensively if Carson Wentz is uh, the Carson Wentz that we saw a couple seasons ago, what I guess that's what three seasons ago when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl before he got injured and uh, Nick Foles had to kind of come to the rescue and uh, win that Super Bowl for them. If that Carson Wentz shows up, Indianapolis obviously jumps to the top of the AFC South. I don't think there's any question about that, but I think that's the question. Though we still we have I don't I think we have to see it first. Uh, I think what happened in Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, I think that was in his head. I, I just, you know, I think that was kind of a mental block that was going on. This dude has all of the ability because, again, I, you know, after I mean, the, the, that season when they won the Super Bowl, I was all in on Carson Wentz. I mean, I thought, you know, obviously he's a guy that uh, he fits the bill and, and, and everything you need in a quarterback. He has the size, he has the arm. He has escapability. He was able to run well enough where he could make where he could hurt you with his legs. He had it all. So if he can get back to that form, the Indianapolis Colts are going to be, yeah, yeah, they're they're going to be really good. They're going to be really tough to handle. So obviously, again, those two teams, the Colts and the Titans, are head and shoulders above everyone else in this division. How many team? How many games are these two teams going to win? I think you look at the Titans. Uh, you looked at the, uh, they won eleven games last season, went eleven and five. Uh, I see about the same this season. I think they can get back to that eleven win mark, maybe twelve. Uh, I don't think they can go much further than that. So I'm gonna have have their ceiling at twelve, and I'm gonna have their floor at ten. Like I think. I think the Titans' floor is going to be ten and seven, and I think their ceiling will be twelve and five. Uh, and I think that could be, again, when you sit there and you look at divisions like the AFC North, which, like I say, I'll, I'll pick a winner in that division, and I will pick my wild card teams. You look at that division; three teams made the playoffs last season from that division, and that quite possibly could happen again this year. So. Ten and seven probably won't be good enough. Eleven and eleven and six could be. Uh, so you know we have to see. But obviously, I think they can get to twelve and five, and I think twelve and five could, will definitely get them in the playoffs and, and uh, possibly could win the division as well. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts to win the division. Uh, <laughs> I, as much as I hate to say that. I I do believe Carson Wentz is going to make a comeback. I don't know if he'll quite 
uh, get back to the form that he was pre-Super Bowl, <laughs> okay, pre-Super Bowl, where he had to sit out there against the Patriots and everything. I'm not sure if he'll get quite that, get back to that level. I'm not sure about that. But uh, I'm going to go with the, the Colts to win this division. I give them a slight edge over my Titans. I think their ceiling, again, I think their ceiling is going to be 12 and, 12 and 5 as well. I'm going to give them basically the same. Like I said, I think it's that close between these two teams. I'm going to give them a ceiling of 12 and 5, and I'm going to give them a floor of 10 and 7. And, again, that's, that basically comes down to the Carson Wentz. What Carson Wentz do we get? And because uh, I think they have everything else that you want. I think Michael Pittman, I really uh, think Michael Pittman Jr. is a uh, really good receiver. I think he's a good route runner. Obviously very athletic. He can beat you deep. He can get physical with you. I think he is obviously a big help to T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell. I think he takes a lot of pressure off of both of those guys. Even Jack Doyle at, at tight end, I think it's really good as well. So, that is how I see the top of the division going. Let's talk about the bottom of the division. <laughs> the uh, Tim Tebow experiment is over in Jacksonville. So, and now it's time for the Trevor Lawrence era to, to truly begin. The Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer uh, era is uh, full, full throttle in Duval County in Jacksonville. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars finishing third in this division. I don't think there's any question. I think I don't think anyone would argue with that. Obviously, they're uh, they're going to struggle because you're talking about a rookie quarterback. Even though Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I think is going to be really good in this league, he showed well in the preseason already. Uh, he's a guy that can make all the throws. He's obviously good with his legs. He can beat you either way. <sighs> you know. I, I think the Jag, the Jaguars are going to be improved a little bit. I'm not really sure how this thing is going to go with Urban Meyer if we go forward. Uh, we'll have to see. I'm, I have my questions about Urban Meyer uh, leading this football team, being in the, in the NFL, period. Okay, I think right now this honeymoon period, everything's probably going to be fine. But as we go forward, I just wonder how that's going to go. So anyway, uh, I have Jacksonville finishing third in this division. I don't think there's any question that they're going to be a lot better team than the Texans will be. Uh, thinking about their window, I would have to say the Jags, I have to give them a ceiling of maybe, I'm going to give them a ceiling of seven wins. I, You know, I thought about going eight. I, I, think, I, I think that would probably be a little bit overboard, possibly. I think seven and seven and ten would be a really good record for this football team. I think that would be a good step in the right direction, and I think what what that would mean is Trevor Lawrence is is progressing the way you would think Trevor Lawrence would. I think the defense has a chance to you know has you know pretty decent, and uh, James Robinson is a guy that came out of nowhere at running back. He is back. In the fold, unfortunately, Travis Travis Etienne, who was drafted out of Clemson, uh, he got injured there really early in camp. I think uh, not sure, but I can't remember if he got injured in camp or it was in it was in a preseason game. 
I can't remember that fact, but he is out for the season. Unfortunately, that was a huge blow. I think Travis Etienne, along with James Robinson, along with uh, uh, Marvin Jones, who's who, I, who I really like, it, receiver who they got from Detroit, and then uh, you know DJ Chark, uh, the receiver out of LSU, that would have been a you know pretty decent little nucleus of skill players in my opinion. Um, you know, DJ Chark is a guy that's coming off of an injury as well, so we have to see how that goes with him. But, you know, Lawrence has a couple guys. I think he has a reliable receiver in Marvin Jones. I think that'll help him a lot. I think I can see the Jags winning seven games. I think their ceiling, that would be their ceiling, and I think their floor would be five. Okay? I think five and 12 would be their floor. And I think that would not even, even that, if they can get back to five and 12, uh, that's not horrible for this franchise right now because again we're talking about this thing being for the future, and uh, you know it's it's going to take a while for them to get where they want to go, and then of course we have the Texans rounding out this division in, in last place. And what can you say about the Texans? This whole thing with Deshaun Watson is crazy. I'm not sure how it's going to end. They should have traded him a long time ago. Obviously, I know they're trying to get the the maximum um, return for him. I understand that totally, but this thing is gone. It's gone too far, man. So, and it's going to really continue to hurt this football team. They lost JJ White as well. Uh, he's in Arizona. I mean, what can you say? I mean, all of the moves, all of the crazy moves that they made, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and. You know, uh, I, I don't know. This, this franchise is 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 a, is a dumpster fire right now, and uh, again, they're they're obviously the the worst team in this division. Quite possibly going to be the worst team in the NFL. I have a floor for this football team, and I hate it for Tyrod Taylor because this Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback for this team, and he's he's had a couple opportunities, but then again, most of the opportunities he gets are kind of like the scraps, okay? I mean, he's he's always the guy that's kind of coming to clean up behind a guy that's, you know, that's retired or a guy that's injured or, and it's never it's never quite been the the, the opportunity that okay, yeah, Tyrod Taylor is our guy. It's kind of like he's the, that second guy in line that that kind of the cleanup the cleanup artist or something like that. Just a, you know, kind of a bridge in between this quarterback and our next quarterback, and uh, I really hate it for him. I really do. But again, he has, he does have a chance to start. He's in the NFL, so you have to give it to him for that. Um, I can't, you know, again, I'd have to say a ceiling for this team would be, I guess, four wins, and I can definitely see a floor of maybe one. Okay, I think I can easily see this team going one and sixteen, two and fifteen, somewhere in that range. And uh, yeah, that's just where the Houston Texans are right now. So again, to recap, my look at the AFC South, I have the Indianapolis Colts slightly uh, winning this division slightly over the Titans. I can see it going either way, but I'm going to give a slight edge to the Colts. I have the Titans finishing in second, the Jaguars finishing third and the Houston Texans finishing in fourth. All right, then. Well, we're going to take a quick break after that. 
we're going to get into, like I said, I'm going to give you my divisional winners and uh, my wildcard teams out of each conference, the NFC and the AFC. We'll do that when Ball About the South continues. Divisional winners, my predictions for the upcoming 2021 season. Let's take a look, man. So you've heard my uh, predictions for the NFC South. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning that. I have the Indianapolis Colts kind of edging out the Tennessee Titans. So let's look at the rest of the divisions just really quick. Um, We'll start off in the AFC East since we kind of left off with the AFC. The AFC East. Uh, not really a lot of drama in that division, if you ask me. The Buffalo Bills, to me, are head and shoulders above all of the other teams in that division. Obviously, Miami uh, could have some, you know, they could have some lasting power in this game, in this thing. It depends, obviously, on Tua Tonga Valoa, his progression as a quarterback. How how far has he come since last season? We saw last season he came out and uh, came, you know, around midseason. Uh, Brian Flores, head coach of the Dolphins, gave him the starting job. Kind of came out a little tentative, uh, not really pressing the issue, not really taking chances. And I I think I can understand that. But then Flores kind of had the stance of kind of going back and forth between he and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so you wonder if that kind of got into Tua's head a little bit, you know, kind of looking over his shoulder, looking to see if, when he was in the game with Flores coming, yank him out if he made a mistake. So now that we know that he is the man, we'll see if Tua lets, the, lets that ball fly a little bit better this year. Uh, I have the Dolphins coming in second behind the Bills. I think that's, you know, Dolphins just missed the playoffs last year. So I think that was a pretty safe bet. I think Tua is going to be okay. We'll see. But uh, they have some uh, pretty good receivers and all of that. Defenses uh, have opportunistic defenses, what I would call the Dolphins. And so I've got the Dolphins finishing second in the AFC East. I'm going to go with the Patriots, even though, yes, they have a rookie quarterback now in Mac Jones. I like some of the weapons that he has to throw to on the outside, so we'll see how that goes. I've got the Patriots finishing the third. Zach Wilson is going to be an interesting uh, person to look at. Zach Wilson, the quarterback, the rookie quarterback of the New York Jets, 
he could be uh, – I, I like what I saw out of him in the preseason. I think a lot of people did. We talked briefly about one of his weapons. He has Corey Davis, I think. Uh, the Jets could surprise him, win a few more, give him a couple more games than maybe the, uh, a lot of people giving him credit for. But I still think they're going to end up being last in this division. So I've got in the AFC East, I've got the Buffalo Bills finishing first. I've got the Dolphins second, Patriots third, Jets fourth. We'll move on to the AFC North, which this this is where it gets interesting. Uh, this, this division yielded three playoff teams last season. The Steelers, the Browns, and the Ravens. The Steelers uh, were divisional winners. This is going to be a hard one to call. For me, I think the Ravens have kind of taken a step back. That's just my opinion right now, the way I see it. They are having major problems with running back. And uh, right now, Le'Veon Bell, of all people, Le'Veon Bell is looking to be maybe their running back number one when the season starts Sunday. Well, sorry, actually, they play Monday night against the Raiders. I really can't wait for that game. because I really want to see that new stadium with fans in it. I think that is going to be a crazy atmosphere for the Ravens when they get there Monday night. I just, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson is is great. I I, th- I think they take they take a few steps back. That's just my opinion. I'm uh, when you look at the Steelers, not a lot has changed about them. Maybe the biggest change is Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. They they did finally get T.J. Watt signed. Uh, T.J. Watt was sitting out. So T.J. Watt should be available now. Obviously, that helps their defense, their front seven. He's one of the better uh, linebackers in the league. That should be a huge help. The Browns, probably the best team in this division, probably the most, at least talent-wise. Talent up and down, the Browns look like the best team in this division. I'm going to go with them to win it. I, You know, I've gone back and forth over this thing. I think the Browns and the Steelers – much like the Colts and the Titans are going to duke it out all season. I just really do. We saw it last year. So Cleveland, I've got them slight edge over the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers have to wonder about the health of uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Can he stay healthy? But uh, they have fun receivers and all that. The Steelers do. So do the Browns when you talk about uh, Jarvis Landry and you talk about Odell Beckham Jr., the running backs may be the ones that, you know, those both those teams can, can, are going to be able to tote the rock. But when you look at Cleveland, they've got two guys, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, that are going to be able to tote the rock with anybody. I'm going to go with the Browns, slight edge. I like their defense just maybe a little bit better than the Steelers. And I think, you know, obviously, again, we'll see what Baker Mayfield can do, what he does um, in his, uh, with his third season. So I'll, t- I'll take the Browns finishing first, the Steelers right behind them in second, the Bengals, I'm sorry, the, the Ravens third, and of course the Joe Burrow-led Cincinnati Bengals ended up in fourth and last position there in the AFC North. Let's go to the AFC West as we round out the AFC. Obviously the Chiefs stand out in this division. Uh, not much is going to change with that. Obviously their offensive line issues, if they're talking about Winning the Super Bowl again, they've got to straighten some of that out. Tampa Bay exposed that to – I mean, they shredded that offensive line. Of course, they had a lot of injuries as well. But, man, that was just a dominating performance 
against the Chiefs last year. So they're going to have to get that straightened out. But I still have the Chiefs winning this division. I've got the Raiders. I think the Raiders, in my view, I got the Raiders replacing Baltimore as a wild card team in this year's playoffs. That's what I'm going to go with. I like uh, all of the weapons on that football team. Josh Jacobs, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, the tight end. I mean, and, uh, I think defensively, I think you'll see some improvement as well. And I think Carr, Derek Carr is, is another quarterback to me that's undervalued in this league. He's a top 10 quarterback at least. I got the Raiders winning um, probably 10. Maybe, I say they get to 10 wins, maybe 11. I think that's enough to get them into the playoffs. I really like that football team. I don't think they're going to push Kansas City much. I think Kansas City will win 13 games, somewhere in that range. So, But I've got the Raiders finishing second. Uh, I've got the the third and fourth in that division is hard as well, though. I mean, you look at the Broncos. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater comes over to help them out at quarterback. They needed someone. Drew Locke never really took um, – he never really – put firm grip on that on that job. So they go out, they get Teddy Bridgewater, which I think is a good get. I like the receivers. Uh, Cameron Sutton is back. You look at Jerry Judy, what he can do. Um, I still think I favor the Chargers a little bit over the Broncos, but it's by the slightest of margins. I'm telling you, I could see this going either way. I could, you know, we look at the Chargers, what uh, Justin Herbert was able to do as a rookie last season. His maturation, we'll see how he goes in, in uh, year two. Obviously, he, he has some guys to throw the football to, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. Uh, he has Austin Eckler, one of my favorite running backs out of the backfield. If he can stay healthy, that's the key to him. Uh, yeah, so I mean, really both of those teams, in my opinion, are going to have their success. But uh, at the end of the day, to me, it's going to be Kansas City and the Raiders. I think both of those teams will go to the playoffs. I'll round it out. Um, I talk about the AFC. I've got in the AFC East, I've got uh, the Buffalo Bills in the, uh, the champ. I've got Miami Dolphins finishing second. Uh, I've got in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns. And I have, of course, in the AFC South, I have the Colts. As my wild card teams, I'm going with the Raiders out west. I'm going with the Titans out of the South, and I'm going with the Steelers out of the AFC North. So that is my playoff picture in the AFC. I've got Kansas City. I've got Indianapolis. I've got Buffalo. I've got Cleveland all winning the division. I have the Steelers, uh, Titans, and Raiders as the wild card teams in the AFC. Let's flip to the NFC real quick. Obviously, like I said, Tampa Bay, to me, should win the, the NFC South. Uh, you look at what we'll start with the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys, to me, look like the favorite just because, simply because of Dak Prescott. Okay? Um, we'll see what we have with him going forward, getting over the injury that um, took his season last year. I really like I really like WFT, though. I really And I like calling them WFT for whatever reason. I don't know why I like calling them WFT. <laughs> I just think it's cool. Uh, the Washington football team, to me, is going to be right there. Their defense should be really solid. We saw it last year. Chase Young is going to be a beast coming off the edge. I really like that football team overall. They just don't have enough offensively. 
And that starts at quarterback. And I have to give the Cowboys the edge at quarterback. Obviously, it's obviously obviously it's a big edge. So, you know, the Cowboys, I've got them winning the NFC East. Wouldn't surprise me though if the if Washington pulled a surprise again. It would not surprise me at all. I've got um anyway, I've got the Cowboys winning the East. I've got Washington finishing in second. I have the Philadelphia Eagles in third. I think Jalen Hurts is going to surprise a little bit. It's not going to be enough to get them to the playoffs. I don't think they'll even get close to the playoffs. I'm just not feeling the Giants. I'm not feeling Daniel Jones. I think he does have a couple of weapons. You talk about Shepard, the receiver. Saquon Barkley is making a comeback. Uh, I'm just not feeling the Giants, man. Defensively, yes. Offensively, no. I think the Eagles will make some strides. Devontae Smith is a receiver that, you know, they had – Philadelphia had nothing on the outside last season. Devontae Smith was a huge upgrade. Um, again, but then, again, we'll see how Jalen Hurts does. I'm I'm kind of on the fence with what I think we'll see from Jalen Hurts. I can, I can see this guy really succeeding. Then I can see him um, being a little bit subpar. So we'll see how it goes, but – and obviously, the Giants and the Eagles will not make the playoffs. I think the Cowboys will. Only one team will make the the playoffs out of this division. I think that is a pretty much a, a given. Uh, let's go to the NFC North. Uh, the Green Bay Packers kind of stick out in this division. Not much has changed with that football team. Uh, Randall Cobb is back for, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, you look at some, uh, they have enough weapons to me. Defensively is going to be their question. But uh, the Packers should find a way to win 10, 11, 12 games, and they'll win that division. The Bears, that is a very inter- interesting situation that's setting up there with, with the Chicago Bears. Just, they drafted Justin Fields, and he's obviously the better quarterback right now. He's definitely better than Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton apparently is going to be the guy that starts at least to start the season. So I'm not really sure how that's going to roll. I'm not sure how that locker room is going to accept that. You can't tell me the locker room, the people, the veterans in that locker room don't see that Justin Fields is the better quarterback. So how long that lasts with Dalton being the starter, I'm not really sure, but uh, they better get it fixed really quick. Because the Bears were were a playoff team last season, I'm not sure they'll make it back this year if they don't get that fixed. But anyway, I think in this division, though, when you look at uh, the grand scheme of things, I think they're the second best team in this division. So I've got them finishing in second. I'll go with the Vikings in third. Uh, you know, the Vikings defensively have fallen off. I mean, I I, I just really am shocked where the Vikings have come from when their defense was really crazy a couple, just a couple seasons ago. And now they're just a shell of themselves right now. I've got the Vikings finishing ahead of the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions, I think will be fighting it out, fighting it out with the Houston Texans for the dubious distinction of being the worst team in the NFL. So uh, that's how I think the NFC North will go. And so leave us with the NFC West and pretty much the best division in football. I don't think there's any question in that. Obviously, maybe we'll get a little bit of um, rebuttal from the AFC North, but I think when you look at grand scheme of things, Arizona, to me, is a slightly better team than the Bengals, so that's where I'm going to go on. 
I think you have three teams that will make the playoffs out of this division this year. I think this is going to be the division where the three teams come out and make the playoffs. I've got the Rams winning this division. I've seen so much. So many people have the 49ers winning, and I can understand that. They sometimes rise with their roster. There's no question about it. They're already a good football team anyway. They just had a lot lot of things going on. Injuries, of course. Jimmy Garoppolo being injured last year. I mean, they had a uh, revolving door at quarterback, basically. Uh, Their running game is still there. That running game hasn't gone anywhere. I think that is going to be very helpful to Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, we'll see how long Garoppolo is actually the quarterback. He may not last a whole lot longer this season because they have a rookie that's that's right on his head, right on his tail. And uh, that's going to be interesting to see how long they roll with Jimmy Garoppolo, if they roll with him at all. Uh, I think when you sit there and you look at uh, what Trey Lance did in the uh, preseason, 49ers fans have to be excited about the future. And maybe the future is a lot closer than we think. And who knows? I mean, we saw some instances in the preseason where they ran two-quarterback system. Could they do that in the regular season? <laughs> I don't know. That That's going to be interesting to find out. But, uh, yeah, obviously defensively with, with Bosa and all those guys, man, they're, they're solid defensively. I can absolutely see the 49ers winning this division. But for some reason, I'm just – I don't know, man. I really like what the Rams did in the offseason, and that mainly is bringing in Matthew Stafford. And for me, I'm going to take Matthew Stafford over uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to take Matthew Stafford over Trey Lance. Okay? Now, the running back position in L.A. is is going to be a question. Cam Akers is down. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. That is the question mark for the Rams. But they have weapons on the outside. Cooper Cup is back from his injury. I think that's going to be a big help for uh, Matthew Stafford. And obviously, their defense can hang with the 49ers just fine. When you talk about uh, those guys up front, man, look, the Rams to me—I I don't know—it's just that's just my that's kind of a hunch that I'm going with now. I, I put both of those teams on a pedestal by themselves. I'm going to go with the Rams to win the division. I'm going to go with the 49ers to finish in second, and right behind them. I mean, this this is close. I could see any one of these three teams winning. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks finishing in third. And uh, you look at the Seahawks, obviously they've got to get better with their offensive line and, and the way they protect Russell Wilson. Defensively, they're solid enough, I guess. I think, you know, they've taken steps back, obviously, from a couple seasons ago. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with them. But I think all three of these teams, regardless, make the playoffs. So, yeah, we're going to roll with it like that. So let me recap my NFC uh, uh uh, divisional picks. I'm going with in the uh, in in the NFC East. I'm going with the Cowboys slightly over the Washington Football Team (WFT). I'm going with in in the NFC North. I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, like I said, in the, in the NFC South, they have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In the NFC West, I'm going to go with the Rams slightly over the 49ers and Seahawks. My wild teams, my wild card teams. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints, and I, I've already told you the other, th- the other two 
basically would be the 49ers and the Seahawks. So that's how that's kind of how I see it going down. <laughs> we'll see how correct I am. We'll obviously we'll revisit all of that um, as we get toward the end of the season as we get into the playoffs. We'll see how it rolls, man. I, I just think it's going to be a really interesting uh, season in the NFC West. I can't wait to see some of those battles between those three teams. I really cannot. And, uh, yeah, so at any rate, we're going to take a break right now. We've gone through uh, the NFC South, the AFC South, where I'm giving you my divisional winners and how I think the wild card teams will stack up. We'll come back. We'll take a look some of the college games over week number two in the collegiate ranks. We'll talk about some of those games in the SEC. Maybe we'll talk about an HBCU game or two, and we'll be right back when all and Ball About the South continues. segment of ball about the south here on uh right now it's friday as i'm finishing up this uh, podcast this episode and we're going to look at the saturday games uh here in college you know the college football games here in this area of the country for the most part obviously the big game around the nation this week is oregon at ohio state that is going to be an interesting game ohio state struggled last week with minnesota Oregon had some struggles of their own as well, but both of both those teams are one and zero. Looking at a top ten matchup, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to end up. I, I'm excited to see that game. That game is on Fox at um, if you're in Eastern Time Zone, it'll be noon. They call it the Big Noon, um, the Big Noon broadcast or the Big Noon kickoff. I think that's how they how they call it. So that's going to be interesting to see. That's the big game of the weekend. Obviously, another big game around the country. Iowa and Iowa State. That should be another one of Big Ten, Big 12 battling. And while I'm talking about that, the Big 12, that brings up um, a little bit of news that's come up here in the last couple of days. The uh, Big 12 is about to expand uh, in 2023. Four teams were accepted into the Big 12, uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats, the uh, Houston Cougars, uh, and the uh, UCF Knights out of the American Conference, and then BYU, who, of course, is an independent right now. The BYU Cougars coming over. All four of them will be in the Big 12 starting in 2023. That should be interesting. If what's 
I think could be even more interesting about that, we'll see if uh, Texas and Oklahoma are still part of the Big 12 at that time. I'm kind of thinking that they're not going to be. I, I just can't see Oklahoma and Texas being in that league until 2025. You know, and that's when their uh, their media rights deal uh, ends, uh, expires or whatever. And so if they leave before that, they'll have to pay $75 million to the Big 12. Now, a piece. Okay, so I'm not really sure they want to do that. But Again, we'll see. It just kind of seems kind of crazy for me to see them stay in the league that they're not going to be a part of for three more seasons. That's just my opinion. But uh, you look at Cincinnati, you look at UCF, Houston, BYU. I think those are good gets for the most part. I think the the biggest get in that group of four teams is BYU. I think that brings a lot of clout, a lot of fans. BYU, even though they're out there in Utah, I think they're a national program a little bit more than any of those other schools. Uh, Obviously, I think it's a good thing for the Big 12 to get into Florida. I think that helps recruiting. I think, obviously, that expands your your TV uh, visibility and all of that. But for my my money, adding BYU was was a huge get. I thought BYU, I thought the Pac-12 should try to go at BYU. But once this alliance came out, I don't think there was any reason for the Pac-12 to expand. There's no reason for the Big Ten to expand. Why would you sit there and add teams to slice the pie even further of the money that you're getting right now? So, yeah. But anyway, those are really good gets for the Big 12. You wonder what's going to happen, though, um, down the road. Will there be another um, expansion period for the Big 12? Could they uh, add more teams once Texas and Oklahoma leaves? You would think that they would, because if that's you know they would be back at twelve. Of course, that would they would be at twelve teams. That you know, call, we could actually truthfully call them the Big Twelve at that point. But you have to wonder with the alliance, you know, those teams having you know so much clout, and then of course the SEC could twelve teams be with twelve teams be enough for the Big Twelve to compete? Uh, so I would wonder if they would maybe try to go out of Memphis after that, maybe. An SMU out of the American Conference, maybe South Florida. So that's going to be interesting to watch, and also the American. What would they do once they lose those four, uh, those three schools? Could they go out and try to expand themselves? You know, a few teams that that have come to mind because there was uh, a little bit of news that the American said that they definitely would look at expansion once all this goes down, so you wonder who they would look at. Could they look at maybe a UAB? Could they look at, uh, I don't know. Uh, there will be a lot of opportunities out there for them to uh, expand as well. So the wheels are churning, man, in this expansion thing, and uh, the Big 12 trying to stay legit. They're trying to stay relevant, and I think they took a, a step in the right direction with allowing these four teams to come in. So anyway, Iowa State, Iowa, those are, the, for me, the two biggest games on the slate nationally. There's not really a lot out there, to be perfectly honest with you. When you sit there and look at the top 25, there are not any huge matchups out there except for those two. So let's go into the SEC. Let's look at, uh, for me, the biggest game on the map in the SEC. And I understand 
what you got going on in Arkansas and, and Texas. Obviously, that's going to be a 6 o'clock game on ESPN. That probably is going to be the bigger game nationally, but the biggest game inside the SEC is going to be Missouri at Kentucky. That game is at 6.30. And that game is going to determine who kind of, you know, kind of hangs in the Eastern Division race, possibly. Yeah, and I think if you look at Kentucky's passing game, obviously that has been the, the biggest thing that they've missed over the last few years that Mark Stoops has been leading the program there. They've had the running game. They've had, I think, some pretty good defenses as well. They could never stretch the field. They never really could throw the football, so you could kind of line up and kind of stop their run game, and there wasn't much they could do against you throwing the football. So last week, Will Levis put together a huge game. He is a guy with a big arm. They're looking for big things out of him, and he did not disappoint last week. So we'll see how he does in week two. Missouri, pretty good defensively as well. Yeah, I think that's going to be a tight football game in Lexington. But again, I think the biggest thing, the winner really has, you know, kind of a leg up on the other uh, teams in that division when you talk about, you know, uh, when we start talking about bowl, bowl bids and, you know, and all that good stuff. And who knows, maybe one of those teams could sit there and kind of bother Florida, maybe bother Georgia. We saw what Georgia's offense looked like last week. I don't think they beat those teams, but you never know, man. <laughs> you never know. So, yeah, for me, that's the biggest game in the SEC. I think, obviously, you go into that Arkansas-Texas game. That is huge for the Razorbacks. You know, the uh, that's definitely going to be a gauge on where they are as a program. Texas had a huge win last week against what I think is a really good football team in Louisiana. The Raging Cajuns were ranked, and Texas put it on uh, by three touchdowns. That guy, Bijan Robinson, the running back, uh, for Texas, number five, he is really looking really good. I think he is going to be a guy that's going to be talked about for the Heisman. Uh, he can, uh, he is a perfect fit for Sarkeesian's offense. Sark has some, some weapons out there. I think the, the the biggest question about Texas is quarterback, but they showed some weapons last week, and I thought that they were really impressive against Louisiana. We'll see what Arkansas can have for them. At home, the Razorbacks come in a seven-point favorite as I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I'm looking for a kind of tight game, right, but right now I think I would say Texas wins that game, and I would probably pick them to cover that seven points. So, yeah, I, that's how I think I would look at that football game. I think it's going to be a really good game, though, really good atmosphere there in Arkansas. I think another good game, you look at Pittsburgh and Tennessee, ACC against SEC. Pittsburgh is one of those teams that comes at you. Physical Tennessee, can will they be ready for that? Pittsburgh comes into that game a three-point favorite at Neyland. So, um, yeah, that that is going to be interesting to see. We'll see how uh, Tennessee goes. They really uh, had a really good win over Bowling Green last week. That was Bowling Green. This is a step up against an ACC opponent. We'll see how the Volunteers handle it. Uh, Three-point underdogs at home are the Volunteers. We'll see how that one goes. That one is at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock Eastern time. 
Then you look up uh, Florida going to South Florida. That's an interesting game, in my opinion, as far as the uh, logistics of it. Florida hasn't played um, an out-of-conference game in the state of Florida, or at least against anyone except Miami or Florida State in, like, I think it was, like, 70 years or something like that. (laughs) So that's going to be kind of crazy to see Florida play South Florida. Obviously, the Gators have a, should have a big edge in that football game. I would not look for uh, any kind of drama in that game. Uh, Texas A&M, the number five ranked team in the country, they go to Colorado. That's the SEC versus Pac-12 game. I don't think the Aggies will have much problems. That game is in, I think it's in Denver. It's not on campus at Colorado. I think that game is being played at Mile High there where the Broncos play. That game could be a little interesting for a while, but I think A&M gets away. I think they have too many weapons. Again, we kind of said that about LSU going out to UCLA last week, didn't we? (laughs) So, yeah, A&M's got to go out there with with their head on right. That's all I can tell you. Another good game, though, on the slate tomorrow, Mississippi State hosts North Carolina State. Now, if you listen to my uh, first episode earlier this week, we talked about teams that could possibly challenge Clemson in the ACC. For me, that's the number one team at the top of the list that I think is, is going to, that could challenge Clemson is North Carolina State. I really like what I saw out of the Wolfpack. They have a lot of players back on both sides of the ball, really experienced. They come in a one-point favorite against Mississippi State. That is going to be a nip-and-tuck game. That game's going down to the wire, I pretty much guarantee. We'll see what Mississippi State can do. Hopefully, they're going to have to get off to a better start than they did last week. If they get off to that kind of start that they did last week, they're going to get blown out, and that team is not going to sit there and blow a 34-14 lead like Louisiana Tech did last week. I I think NC State finds a way to win that football game tomorrow. That game is at 6 o'clock Central. Uh, looking at a couple of other games. Again, like I say, it's, it's slim picking South Carolina, East Carolina. That could be an interesting game, possibly. But you look at the rest of them, man. It's not, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, UAB Georgia, as I look at the list. UAB Georgia, that is a game I did mean, mean to mention. Georgia has some issues with COVID. So they have a few players that may not make that game. Uh, there's injuries with JT Daniels. That kind of surfaced in the news again. So you wonder about, you know, the status of the Bulldogs right now with a, you know, pretty decent, pretty good UAB team coming over there. UAB, I can't see them having enough offense to win that football game. I do think their defense can keep them in the game for a while. Uh, That game right now, the Bulldogs were 22.5 point favorite. I saw that number at 25.5. At one time, so that number's dropped some. At twenty-five and a half, I think I probably, if I was a betting man, I would have gone with UAB to cover that. I could still see the Blazers covering the twenty-two and a half. I can see that game being somewhere like thirty-one to ten, you know, twenty-eight to ten, somewhere in that way, in that range. I think UAB's defense is that good from what we saw uh, last week against Jacksonville State, Georgia, and then we saw what Georgia did against Clemson. Again, I understand Clemson is not UAB, but 
I think that uh, UAB's defense is really good. And then I think you just have the factor of Georgia coming off a huge win like that. You know, how do they react to that? How do you, how do they react to beating uh, Clemson in a nationally televised game where the focus was all on them, game day was there, and all of that good stuff? How did the, how did the Bulldogs react? We'll see. UAB is a dangerous team, but I think the Bulldogs get it done. But I would not be surprised if the Blazers come in under the number. So, you know, look at the rest of the schedule in the SEC. Alabama hosts Mercer out of the FCS. Auburn hosts Alabama State out of the SWAC. Ole Miss hosts Austin P out of the FCS. LSU hosts McNeese State. Uh, Ed Orgeron's son, ironically, is the quarterback for McNeese State. That'll be interesting. And then Vanderbilt visits Colorado State. Quickly, not a whole lot on the slate when you, when you think about the HBCUs either because most of the HBCUs are playing uh, FBS teams this week. You know, uh, case in point, like I just said, Alabama State is playing at Auburn. Uh, you know, Grambling State is playing at Southern Miss. Texas Southern is at Baylor. You got a lot of matchups like that. Bethune-Cookman is at UCF. So when you look at it like that, there are not many. There are only there's only really one conference game, and that game, when that, this is on the conference game. What am I talking about? Tennessee State and Jackson State. That is a big classic there in Memphis, Tennessee, that goes down every year. That should be a really good football game. Jackson State and Tennessee State. Neither one of those teams showed as much offensively last week. I did like a lot of what I saw from Deion Sanders' son. I called him QB Prime, <laughs> Shadur Sanders. Uh, but they only put seven points on the board in that game against FAMU. But that was enough to win the game, seven to six. Tennessee losing, Tennessee State losing uh, another defensive battle to Grambling, 16 to 10. Probably going to be more of the same tomorrow. Both those defenses kind of can get after you. That really, I spoke of Jackson State's D line, their front seven. In last week's game against uh, FAMU, I thought they just really dominated that football game and they caused havoc where FAMU really turned the ball over a lot. I think I see more of the same in that football game. I think it's going to be a tight one. I think Jackson State will figure a way to win it. That game is not on the main ESPN family networks. I think you'll have to catch that game on ESPN+. And uh, so, you know, if you want to check that game out, that is tomorrow evening at 6 Central, 7 Eastern time. And like I said, there's not a whole lot else out there. To be honest, this is a pretty weak schedule of games. It'll pick up next week, though, when you got some uh, big-time matchups next week when you think about Alabama A&M at Bethune-Cookman. You're looking at uh, uh, Alcorn, State. Alcorn State next week plays South Alabama. That's, I think that could be an interesting game. So, you know, we'll get back into some better games, I think, next week. This week is kind of about those money games for the, the SWAC schools going to get, you know, going to get some paper so they can pay some bills. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about those games next week when we get my next episode of Ball About the South going. And uh, I thought I'd end off the show and look at a few, just a couple of the NFL games here in our area, our neck of the woods that are coming up. On Sunday, you look up the Tennessee Titans hosting the Arizona Cardinals. 
I like the Titans in that game. I think it's going to be, you know, I think you have to question the Arizona Cardinals offensively, even though, yes, Kyler Murray is, is uh, you know, hand-picked, I think, to run Cliff Kingsbury's offense and everything. The Arizona Cardinals, I think, are going to be probably take a, you know, maybe take a step or two backwards. And if they do that, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Cliff Kingsbury. Will he be able to retain his job? I like the Titans winning that game, though. I think the Titans get off to a one and zero start. Look at the Falcons hosting the Eagles. How about Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith going back to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where they have had much success? I don't know if they'll have success Sunday. <laughs> I think the Falcons will probably find a way to win that game. Uh, you look at uh, NFC South again, the Carolina Panthers and the Jets. How about the, right out of the gates, the Jets get to play Sam Darnold? How about that? I like the Panthers in that football game, uh, that game being played in Charlotte, the Indianapolis Colts hosting the Seattle Seahawks. That was going to be a really good football game. That is in the 12 o'clock window. Colts, and we talked about them earlier. We talked about a little about the Seahawks. So I think they will be a wild card team in the NFC. I like the Colts winning that football game. Now, again, all of this comes down to Carson Wentz, though. It comes down to what you get out of him. The Seattle having to travel across the country and everything. First game of the season, I'm going to give the Colts a slight edge in that football game. I think it should be a good one, though. I think it should be a really good football game. That's one of the better games on the slate. New Orleans, Green Bay, the Saints are having to play that game as a home game, but it's being played in Jacksonville as uh, all the cleanup efforts and the you know efforts to restore power and all that go on in New Orleans. The Saints will be playing their home games in Jacksonville. Uh, playing the the Packers, I'm I'm gonna have to go with the Packers in that football game. Uh, I think it's I think it's obviously gonna be a good game, and we're gonna see uh, if J, uh, Jameis Winston can can continue looking the part of uh, being the starting quarterback that we thought he could be coming out of Florida State. And then we look at Jacksonville and Houston. Obviously, not many eyes gonna be on that game. <laughs> I'll go with the Jaguars winning that one. Should be interesting, I guess, to people in maybe Jacksonville as they look at Trevor Lawrence for the first time in a regular season game. I think so, at least that'll get some people to kind of watch that game, maybe for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so we'll talk about all of those games when we get back here next week when Ball About the South uh, continues. We'll, uh, my next episode, we'll talk. we'll kind of break down some of those college games We'll break down the NFL games. We'll talk whatever comes up here in the south part of this uh, great United States. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, my name is Kerry Wood. You can follow me on Twitter and IG, at CWood on Sports. I have another Twitter handle now for the show. It is Ball South. Ball South Pod. Ball South Pod is the uh, handle for the show. Follow that on Twitter as well. And, uh, yeah, so we'll join you back here next week. Like, subscribe, comment. Let me know what you think about the show. What did you think I can change about it? What would make it better? And uh, tell a friend or two. If you do like it, tell a friend or two about it. And uh, let them know about Ball About the South. I'm Kerry Woods at Seawood on Sports. I'm out until the next time.